All right. Welcome to the Apex Vaulting Podcast. Uh, This is episode 101. Uh, If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with friends, uh, subscribe on iTunes uh, podcasts, or you can also follow us on YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's just Apex Vaulting. On Instagram, we're the real Apex Vaulting and Apex Vaulting on Facebook and Twitter. Um, Hope you've been enjoying the podcast. I know we just kind of restarted. Our last episode was with Eric Bennett. And, uh, you know, we're all experiencing fall pole vaulting. And so I wanted to kind of talk about fall training and what that means for the pole vault. A lot of other sports, they have different uh, time periods and seasons and, and different meanings for those seasons. Like in baseball, we've all heard about spring training. Um, for football, we talk about training camp. That happens in the summer. Um, these are all, uh, both of those represent seasons where you're kind of going back to basics, working on fundamentals and getting ready for the new season. That's how I feel about fall training for the vault. Um you know, during indoor track, during spring for outdoor track, you know, you're in the middle of season. Uh, a lot of times it's hard to make huge technical changes. Um, it's really, you're just trying to squeeze out what you can uh, during those meet seasons. And summertime even, you know, a lot of people are on vacations or there, there is a very strong summer season for most people. I know here in the Northeast, you know, we have a couple of beach vaults. Um, there's a couple other meets at different facilities and stuff like that. And people are still trying to get marks in the summer, right? Like they might be coming off a strong outdoor track season and they're still trying to put out marks. So it's, it's hard to kind of like retool everything. You're just trying to get someone ready for those meets and make those minor adjustments. Um, Even from a strength and conditioning standpoint, a lot of times, you know, during indoor and outdoor track, and then even in the summer, because of that meet schedule, uh, it's really hard for some athletes to really hunker down and focus and try to get stronger and faster. Um, they don't want to be bogged down for those meets, um, which again, I don't, I don't think you want to stray from strength and conditioning for too long ever. And I think, uh, that's another topic uh, for discussion on how you strengthen and condition effectively during season. Um, But that being said in the fall, it's a much quieter time, you know, sure. um, I think most people have something like a a Halloween vault. Um, Some, some people might even have something around Thanksgiving. Uh, But other than that, it's a pretty quiet time of year and it's a perfect opportunity to really, really work on all the, those uh, bad habits that you have in the vault. Um, and the thing that I always say about fall training, you know, because it is a perfect time, um, you want to stray away from a lot of the sexy gimmicks that people do. I know people always love posting videos like of essentially something that is high bar <laughs> exercises but with some kind of gimmicky thing, like it might be like a pole attached to something attached to the high bar. And it's, it's still a high bar exercise. And I don't know, like I've heard all kinds of theories of why it's better or whatever. Um, you also see a lot of people like they're tying up a pole with ropes and someone's again, doing high bar exercises on a pole that bends. And I know that's super sexy. Everybody loves seeing that. Or even, you know, you see a lot of like these spotted drills, you know, where someone's like kind of doing a couple choppy steps and the coach spots them up, you know, to do this big takeoff drill and, you know, big bottom arm and stuff like that. And yet when you see this person vault, you never see that takeoff. But so it's like, there's a lot of stuff that people post 
you know, that's like real sexy. And again, the, another sexy thing that everybody loves is like doing long runs. You know, everybody loves doing some long runs. Um, and I see uh, sometimes like two ways that it's done uh, with a lack of effectiveness. If you're doing a long run and it's on a really small pole with really low grip, is it really a long run? You know, is, is it effective, right? To give you an analogy with strength and conditioning, imagine, you know, you were going to do sets of singles, like just one rep. Now, if you're doing one rep, you're supposed to be pushing it. You're supposed to be trying to get a one rep max, right? Um, you want to be hitting at least 95% plus of your one rep max, you know, and hopefully you PR, you go over hundred percent of what you've ever done in the past. Now, if you do five sets of singles and you're going 70%, that's not really an effective workout. That's sub-maximal. It's not going to, you're not going to get anything out of it. Now, I think sometimes people try to like kind of fool themselves like, well, I'm trying to get the rhythm of the seven down. Well, sure. But if you're gripping down, and you're on a smaller pole, you're not really running from a mark that would get you to be on a seven left on the right pole, the right grip, or you could PR. Um, so it's not really effective. You know, again, I know everybody loves saying, you know, I'm working on my long run, but I, again, with less grip or, or less pole, it's not, it's not that effective. Then the other thing is, you can't just keep doing long runs and trying to get on a bigger pole. You're going to burn yourself out. You know what I mean? Like you can't, can't just keep doing the same thing over and over. It starts to lack a training effect. You know, after so many sessions of that, you're going to plateau and then actually get worse. Um, so the thing is like the way I see fall is like, this is where we do the stuff that's not sexy, right? Let's do some straight pole drills. Let's do one left, two left, three left stuff. Let's really hammer some technical stuff down. You know, is if your athlete's not jumping up at takeoff, awesome. Let's get off the runway, do some drills where you can teach your athlete how to jump up, right, off the runway. Then you can incorporate the pole. Let's jump up with a pole in your hand, right, like plant the pole and jump up off the runway. And then let's go back to the runway and let's try to jump up and plant the pole, you know, from a, from a two, from a three, right? And in fact, I think there's some value too. It's like, you can do an overhead carry, work on jumping up, you know, doing a takeoff drill, then add the plant, you know, and then let's add the swing, right? Like you can really break down the vault and start to work on all these fundamental skills. Um, and again, you don't want to stick with something too long. Like I was saying with the long approach, like if you do the same drill or the same progression, I... To, to me, our rule of thumb at Apex, we always kind of think about like six sessions. Past six sessions, this is going to start to become stale. You're not going to see any, any more value, you know? And I think, you know, as a coach, this is where you can really sit down and look and say, okay, um, you know, are we still improving? If there's still improvement, you can keep going with a drill and a progression. Um, and this is in the, the micro and the macro, meaning like, even in a particular practice, let's say we're doing a straight pole takeoff with the plant from three less. If I still see the athletes improving, they're jumping up better, their plant timing's getting better, they're moving the pole, we're gripping up, we can keep milking that drill in that particular practice. As soon as I start to see a plateau, okay, if we're still, you know, we got another half an hour, let's maybe add the swing or let's go to a four, do full jump. And let's see if they can do the takeoff, a good takeoff from a four, right? You've got to move on to something else in the macro, right? Like bigger picture, 
you know, let's say a progression is still working with you. Session after session, the athlete keeps improving. Awesome. You can keep working that progression. But after you start to see like, okay, one practice was kind of stale, no improvement. Second practice, no improvement. You don't want to keep going with it. Now this is where you have to start to now, you know, figure out another progression for this athlete. Um, something that I really enjoy, you know, and this is kind of like our bread and butter, especially fall time. There's two progressions that I always keep in mind at Apex. I like to start everybody out with, with the following, right? Especially fall. We have no meets coming up for a while. We're going to start at a one, one left approach. We're going to do takeoff, straight pull. Get the takeoff moving. Get the athletes aware of pull speed and, and, and their hips rising, right? Then we add a swing to a sit position. They'll do a swing to a sit. So we got a lot of pull speed. That pull is getting past vertical pretty quickly. They land in a sit position. We'll talk about the movement. Get them aware of that pull speed and swing speed, the swing speed matching the pull speed. Make sure they're completing the swing to a sit. You know, their hips are get, getting close to their bottom hand. Then we start to add the turn. So we'll do a swing to the belly. So now we're doing takeoff, swing. Once they feel their hip is close to their bottom hand, they'll start pulling with their right arm, their top arm, and then turn and then push off, land as deep as possible into the pit. And we'll talk about also, like I usually talk about like Gabby's line, which is a line that's 11 feet, two inches behind the back of the box and where they're landing. Are your toes touching that line? Let's try to get ankles. If ankles are, let's try to get our knees. You know, obviously for more advanced uh, people who are more athletic, we're talking about, okay, well, you got your hips there. Maybe you can get your chest there or your armpits, or maybe you can get your head past that line, right? We're trying to make improvements on that. So that we do the takeoff, swing to a sit, swing to the belly from a one. Then we usually go up about two grips, go to a two, overhead carry. Now let's transition to a full jump. So again, pole speed's important. They're trying to make sure they swing up to their bottom hand, then turn, right? Doing some full jumps, wrapping the bungee. Then we'll go to a three, full jump with the carry. Um, and it's kind of up to the coach at that point. Some people I keep on straight pole if I feel like that's valuable, um, especially if they're kind of just like sitting on, on, a, on a pole that bends. Um, or if, if you feel like the person's ready, their straight pole to full jump looks good. You can then go to a, a pole that bends. That's our first progression, right? So it's takeoff, swing to a sit, swing to the belly from a one, from a two overhead carry, full jump. Then from a three, full jump, coach's choice, pole that bends or straight pole. Um, you can always also if at this point, once you're like two or three sessions into this progression, right? So you've had two or three practices of this. Um, if you see an athlete that's struggling with their plant, you might want to do a low carry uh, from a two where they can actually work on extending their bottom arm before they jump up off the ground. Now, once we've done that, again, at Apex, we kind of talk about six sessions. That's what we find on average. Once we get to about, you know, four to six sessions in of that, then what I like to do is a progression where it's like the takeoff progression. So it's like takeoff from one overhead carry. You could do overhead carry, take off from a two or skip to a three, add the plant. So now you're really hammering this takeoff, trying to make sure that they can do a takeoff with the plant, right? From a three. Once that looks pretty good, 
Um, you know, you try to see as high as they can grip, you know, rolling it over. And then it's a coach's choice. Again, you could decide, do you want them to do a swing to a sit from a three, which you'll have to lower the grip if you've worked the, the takeoff drill to like full jump pull speed. Um, it's not very uh, getting past vertical very much. Um, so that would be more of a swing up or you can grip them down, do swing to a sit. Right. Um, so that again, coach's choice. If the poles, you know, not getting quite past vertical and you want them to do a swing to a sit, you're going to have to grip them down so they can do a swing to a sit, or you can keep that grip and they can swing up, you know, do a couple. And, and then, and then I would go up a grip, go to a four, do full jump. And, and again, coach's choice. You want to keep that straight pole or bent pole. Um, yeah. So that's that second progression that we'll fall into is take off from a one, take off from a two overhead carry, take off from a three with the carry, and then either a swing to a sit, swing up. And then we might even add the turn once we get to the second or third session of this and then full jump from a four, right? Now, once we get through these two progressions, right, which again, not super sexy, they're basic straight pole drills, basic skills that athletes need to work on, right? Like take off, jumping up, swing, turn, push off, right? Like we're working all these things on the runway, you know, we're talking about on the runway drill progressions. Um, once you hammer that now as a coach, this is where you have to use your coaching eye and kind of pick up, okay, where, where is someone experiencing a pitfall? What are they getting stuck with? Are they, is the plant still messing them up? You might have to do a planting progression, right? Is their swing messing them up? Is it a string a strength issue or is it a technical thing? Are they not finished? Like when they had the swing, are they not finishing takeoff, allowing their hands to get above their heads? So they have leverage to swing. Um, is the turn messing them up? Is it a timing thing, a movement thing? Are they trying to turn too early or trying, are they trying to turn without using their arms? Common error. A lot of athletes will turn their hips without using their arms. Now their arms are out of position and they just fall off the pole. They have to engage the, the top arm first, then turn, right? So the, these are things to look for and then it can help you decide what are the progressions going forward. Um, but I love kind of like blank slate starting the whole club like that. And something, something, ugh, something to think about. Um, I know with the Eric Bennett podcast, uh, we talked about it and I, I've made some posts about it and I'm going to make more posts about it. But when you think about the belt system, right, the way you teach those progressions to someone who's a white belt versus a blue belt versus a purple, a brown, a black, right, is very, very different, right? So, for example, one of my guys who I've been coaching since he was in high school, he's he's college graduate, has a full-time job. He's been at the club for about 10 years. When I coach him through those progressions now, even in his own like timeline of, of, of his career at the club, it's like, it's very different. It's more nuanced the way that we discuss those drills versus someone who's a straight beginner, you know, straight beginner. You might have to talk more about the position, what it looks like really try to get them to feel the movement, but it's like very, very raw. And you'll see like, almost like it's very segmented where with someone who's more schooled, you know, who's getting closer to your brown belt, black belt level, right? Who, who's trying to really master the vault, 
with those people, it's a more about making the jump as seamless as possible. It's starting to become one thing. Yes, all these segments are in there. You can identify them, but one is blending into the next. It's almost invisible. To someone who doesn't know as much, they might not even notice. So real quick. Whereas like with a beginner, the jump almost looks choppy, you know, and for them to learn, it almost has to be that way. Um, so it's, it, it, for me, I, I really enjoy, you know, the fall training that we get to do because you really get to do a deep dive. The other thing, and I know I really, I, I try to always avoid talking about psychology, right? Um, but we'll talk about it in, in this instance is how it relates to fall training because your performance as a pole vaulter it's always like it's three pronged, right? Like you have the physical, you have the technical and you have the mental, right? And how does the mental impact your training? Well, again, the beautiful thing about fall training, because there are no meets, there's nothing to get ready for like next week or two weekends from now. Where normally let's, let's say you're in outdoor track. And you're a couple of weeks away from conference or counties or states, right? Yes, your athlete might realize, as an example, their plant screwed up. They drop the tip too much. They get a little flippy. They're always late. They're getting hit, right? They understand they got to work on their plant. They got to. They understand they got to work on their carry. But they really just want to go up one pole because they think that will get them to PR at counties, right? It's hard for that person to make that change at that point because psychologically they're so consumed with the meets coming up and the PRs they want to hit, you know, whereas fall, because there's nothing pressing, now you're kind of in a more open, relaxed psychological state as an athlete to make these bigger changes. So something that you know, I, I would say as a coach, right, and as an athlete, something that let's say you were like last outdoors or even during the summer, you're like, man, this is really holding me back. Like, why can't I fix this? Oh, my God, this has to get. Well, now you can actually take the time to break it down, right? So as an example, let's keep using the plant. If you feel like the carrying plant is messing you up, you have a lot of different options. One, you could do stuff like an overhead progression where you're doing overhead takeoff from twos and threes. So you can feel what a good takeoff would be if your hands are in a good position once you lead the ground. Now you can slowly incorporate like a lower carry from a two, even do a low carry from a three to really work on extending your bottom arm, you know, and becoming more bottom arm dominant with the plant. Cause a lot of people end up being top arm dominant and that's why their, their, their bottom arms a little bit soft and passive and you'll collapse right? You might even open your bottom hand at takeoff, which is going to really, you know, kill the, the plant and takeoff. Um, so you can really focus on this and then slowly incorporate a higher carry, higher carry, higher carry. So you go back to like a four or five lefts and do a full carry with the plant. So you can really start to incrementally work on this skill where, you know, again, if you were a week or two weeks away from a big knee conference counties, you know, you might be like, I don't have time to do this. Like, we got to just, you know, I'll try to fix it in the jump, which is very, very difficult, right? Like, um, if you're trying to fix something from five plus lefts, you know, doing full jumps, it's, it's very difficult where now you could take the time. I mean, heck, you could do a whole practice where you don't even swing. 
You're just doing takeoff. You're just planting the pole and doing takeoff to really hammer in that change. You have the time to do that in the fall. You know, again, these are things that, you know, people are not going to be super excited about normally. You know, it's like, you're not going to, you know, if somebody makes, it's funny, if somebody makes a post with a straight pole progression or a straight pole drill, I rarely see a lot of likes. I rarely see a lot of comments, right? That's not going to, that's not going to get you likes and comments, right? But that's exactly what's going to get you the big changes you are looking for, for indoor and outdoor track this coming year. That's what's going to get a big change. Whereas again, interestingly enough, if you have some gimmicky thing where ropes are tied up and a pole that bends and you know, you're doing something like I even saw recently someone posted again. And it's like it's like an old Liza McCartney video where, where she's on a, holding on to a pole that's like on a machine and it goes like this and it's like lifts her way up high in the air. and She does a swing up and everybody's like, wow. And I'm like. Yeah, but is I, I don't know how much better it makes the drill that she's holding the top of this big pole and it like mechanically gets lifted up and she swings up like. I don't know how much advantage there is to that, but that'll get a lot of likes, a lot of comments. People will be like, oh. and people will spend time, money, and energy trying to recreate that machinery and gimmicky thing to try to do this drill, which is like, at the end of the day, you could have just been doing a swing up drill from a three, you know? Um, I, I just, I think that's more important. Now, we talked about strength and conditioning in the beginning. I haven't touched upon that yet, but with strength and conditioning, the same thing. It's like a lot of times you see people post things in a strength and conditioning uh, area, like a weight room, and they are posting some kind of exercise that looks very much like the pole vault. Like they're holding a barbell, like they would a, a pole and doing some weird exercise, right? What you do in the weight room does not need to look like the vault. I know I've spoken about this before, but again, especially for fall training, you know, now that you don't have to worry about being sore for a big knee or something like that, now it's the time to build strength, build strength, become more powerful, become more explosive, you know, do the things that are not so sexy. You know, it's like if you're taking, uh, you know, sticks and attaching bungees to them and this and that and you know, doing kind of step up drills with the pole, like a stick in your hand to make it look like pole vault. It's like, what are you trying to actually accomplish when you are in the weight room? Now you might say, well, Bronco, I want to do something that's like pole vault. I want to practice the movement. Cool. Go practice the movement, but you don't need to attach bands to a stick. You don't need to be looking like a pole vaulter in the weight room. Because in the weight room, what we should be working on is muscular strength, muscular ex explosiveness, right? Like train the muscle. So try to identify weaknesses in your vault. Like, okay, if you don't think that you're fast enough on the runway, well, guess what? Go squat and deadlift, some kind of variation of squat and deadlift. Get stronger, right? Um, if you feel like you're not, going up the pole fast enough. If you feel like your push-off is not good enough, right? Like, let's say you're a guy and you jump 13 feet and your push-off, I don't know, let's say it's zero. Let's say you grip 13.8 and you jump 13. Well, you know, if you're gripping 13.8, you should be able to have better push-off than that. 
Now, maybe there's technical stuff, which we've just gone over, like a bunch of progressions that you could do, right? Um, but maybe, maybe your lats aren't strong enough, you know? Can you do 10 strict bodyweight pull-ups? Can you do weighted pull-ups? At Apex, we talk about this all the time, but what we found is when athletes can do 50% of their body weight in a weighted pull-up, right? They can do better in the high bar, like they can do a no-touch pullover, right? And those people usually increase their push-off, right? So, so some things start to happen once you could do a 50% body weight uh, pull-up. So for example, if you're a 150-pound male, you really want to be able to do a 75-pound pull-up. You know, anything above that is also good, but you got to like, that's a good goal, right? Um, same thing for females. Like, I, obviously, if you're like, um, you know, 120-pound female, you want to hit that 60-pound pull-up. And trust me, it can be done. It is not unusual at Apex. I mean, for sure, we have plenty, plenty of girls hitting the 40-plus range in, in, in pull-ups. That, that, is a, that is a good goal. You can do that. But what it takes is, again, something that's not sexy. It's that consistency of training, right? Two, three times a week, are you doing pull-ups? And I don't, I, I don't care. I mean, at Apex, we do a linear periodization. A lot of people do different types of periodization. But it's like two, three, two, three times a week, are you hitting the pull-ups? Are you hitting some upper back exercise, right? Like kettlebell rows, dumbbell rows, TRX rows. Um, you know, there, there's a bunch of things that you can do. You know, so that's important. Going back to squat and deadlift, right? Here's where too, it's like, okay, I mean, look, and I know some people are gonna be like, oh, these numbers don't really matter. It's not important. Um, but in a lot of strength and conditioning, you know, books that I've read and, and a lot of strength and conditioning coaches, I mean, listen, like a good goal again is trying to hit like double your body weight in deadlift or squat you know, depending on the variation, of course, but you know, it's again, it's not uncommon at apex male or female to see people hitting double their body weight and deadlift. This is not crazy. You don't have to like, you know, be, you know, you don't have, you don't have to like give up on pole vaulting, to hit that number. And if you can't hit that number, and I, I really want to explain this concept, let's say whether just, just the pull-ups I was just talking about, or the squat deadlift variation, double body weight. If you're sitting and watching this video or, or listening to it on podcast and you say to me, well, Bronco, I jump pretty high. I'm a high school boy that jumps 15 plus or I'm a high school girl that jumps 12 plus and I can't, I can't hit 50% of my body weight on pull-ups. I can't hit double my body weight in a deadlift. If you hit those numbers, do you think you're going to get worse? Absolutely not. You're going to get better. You're going to get better because you're going to increase your power to strength ratio right? Power to weight ratio, I should say. Sorry. You're going to increase your power to weight ratio. And if you increase your power to weight ratio, you will become faster on the runway. You will get faster going up the pole. You're going to increase your speed going up the pole. It's just, that's what's going to happen because your lats are going to get stronger, right? For pull-ups, lats increase, lat strength is increased and the lats are really, really responsible for what helps you go up the pole. Now, runway speed, it's like, we all know, you know, hamstrings, glutes, those are super important muscles. If you can increase the strength in those muscles, you will be able to apply more force to the ground. You will increase your stride length. You will get faster. So again, I, and I really, you know, I think at apex, we realized 
there there's levels of athletes that come into our gym where if they don't try to attain these these strength and conditioning goals, you know, 50% uh, uh, weighted pull up, 50% body weight weighted pull up, um, or a double body weight lower body lift, those people will will have very limited success in the ball. They will not jump high enough maybe to, to place at states or they will not jump high enough to maybe go on to a college uh, program. Like they have to train that hard just to get to that level. Now, if you happen to be a person, and this is where, again, it's big. If you happen to be a person that's already hitting pretty good marks, you know, there's colleges looking at you and you haven't done these things in the weight room, you will only get better. And there's plenty of programs out there, guys, I mean, you can just Google, you know, programs and something will come up. Basic programs will come up and help th those, pro those programs can help you attain those, uh, those numbers in the weight room. And again, also there's plenty of YouTube videos. If you're not confident enough, you're like, well, Bronco, like, I don't know if I, I can deadlift properly or squat properly. Heck, some people, to be honest, don't even know how to do pull-ups properly. I mean, like, especially like when we're talking about pull-ups at Apex, we're talking about a strict pull-up all the way down all the way up, chin above the bar, right? Um, no kipping, right? So, you know, you can find videos on YouTube that will, will help teach you through this. And then of course, I mean, there's plenty of strength and conditioning coaches out there. You can find one in your local area that can help you attain those goals, right? 50% of your body weight in a weighted pull-up and double your body weight on a lower body lift. You, you, can, you can take the time this fall to build those numbers but it's going to take a season. Like you're not going to do it in a week or two weeks. It's going to be that diligent mind numbing consistency. Uh, again, it's not sexy, right? Like mind numbing consistency, being consistent, just keep chipping away. And this goes for the technical stuff too. You are not going to fix your technique in one practice session. It's going to take time. You're going to have to hammer at this over and over and over again. Let's go back to an example I, I, I kind of mentioned earlier. Let's say you're that high school boy, you're gripping 13.8 and you jump 13, right? So that's a zero push. One, you're athletic enough to grip that high. So something's got to be going on. I mean, maybe you're also a really long guy, you're tall, long arms, long legs. That kind of allows you to grip that high. So, okay, maybe you have a strength issue. So you've got to go work on those pull-ups, right? But when you hammer those straight pull drills, sure. Straight pull is not as easy. You're not going to grip as high, but you should still be able to generate some type of push off, even on a straight pull drill, right? Couple inches. I'm not. I'm not saying you need to have a two foot push off on a straight pull, although people have done that. That's not crazy. Um, but if you can start to figure out the technical things in your jump and create a push off with a straight pull, you will only get better. When you go back to the bent pull, right? A pull that bends. Now, if you generate straight, uh, straight pull push off, you're going to generate a lot more push off in, in a pull that bends. So that guy gripping 13.8, jumping 13, well, wow, man. I mean, imagine you just do an eight inch push off, which again is not insane for a high school boy that can grip 13.8. You jump 13.8, you're a couple inches away from 14. That could be a huge thing for you, right? Um, and if you, again, are consistent two, three times a week, you are working on this technical stuff, you're working on the strength and conditioning stuff, by the time you get to your indoor winter track season, or for some of you that are, that are you know, just training straight through till outdoor track, you're going to see a, a dramatic improvement in your jump. And now 
this is a perfect time because you don't have meats to worry about. You don't have to worry about being sore for a competition, you know? And I know sometimes when you're doing those drill sessions, it may seem like, especially if you have a meat coming up, ah, it's a waste of time. I just got to get on my big pole, right? Well, now you don't have to worry about that. Take the time to really retool your jump, get yourself ready, right? Um, I know sometimes I hear some people talk, um, like coaches discussing, well, sometimes you don't want to really make extreme changes. We're just trying to squeeze out a couple more inches and, you know, what's the low hanging fruit? Like, let's, let's attack that part of the jump. The thing that I want to say to people who are listening to that kind of advice, if you're listening to a coach or an athlete talking like that, who is at, at the world stage level, Right. So they're the type of people that they are going to the Olympics. They are maybe even meddling at the Olympics or worlds. You know, they are top five in their nation. Right. I think that's a very fair point. I think people, vaulters like that, sure, they just need a couple more inches. It's going to make a huge difference and they don't want to retool everything. I totally get it. Totally get it. I think, though, the majority of people that listen to this podcast or involved in the vault world, if you want to see huge, you know, if you want to see the improvement that you want, like these huge improvements, you're not looking for a two inch PR. You're looking for more. You'd like to PR a foot, two foot this year. Then you really have to go back to basics and retool, right? Because you're not going to get a two foot improvement from a minor nuanced change, right? I understand at the world level, right? Like, like let's say even argument's sake, let's say there's a dude out there jumps 19 feet, let's say they can't do a 50% uh, body weight weighted pull-up, right? It's possible. It's possible, right? Maybe that guy's like, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to do that. I just, I need to figure out this little, little piece of my jump and I'll, I'll PR two more inches and that's going to get me maybe sponsorship or that'll get me over the hump and, and get me to qualify for Worlds next summer. Cool. More power to you. You make that decision. But if you're someone who's like, no, I... I want to PR two feet this year that you need, you can't, you can't leave any of that stuff behind. Um, also, I will even make the case. I remember when Tiger Woods, uh, one of the greatest golfers of all time. I remember when he was actually like at, the, at one of the peaks of his career, he decided to retool his swing. He saw something was wrong with his swing. A lot of people bashed him for it. They're like, oh my goodness, it's not going to work. And it really took him two years to retool his swing, but then he came back better than ever, you know? So that's someone who realizes they really need to make a big shift. And I think like, even at the higher levels, there are some people out there where it's like, yeah, you, you might be jumping pretty high, but let's, let's face it. Like you got to, it's it, that maybe two inches is really should be a six inch increase that you need, or maybe a nine inch increase in your performance. And it's going to take some major changes to get from here to there. You know, you, and you have to maybe look back and be like, okay, maybe I do have to fix my carry. I know I've been carrying the pole like this forever, but I got to make this change. That's, that's, that will unlock then a better takeoff for me than a better swing. Right. Because the pole vault is like a domino effect, right? Famous words, by Vitaly Petrov, the pole vault starts with the first step. The pole vault starts with the first step. And when I, when I think about that, it's like, 
I think, I think about earlier in my career, you know, there were a lot of like things when I was coaching in the beginning that were kind of foggy to me. And I kind of always covered the, like whenever I, I, you know, something that I maybe didn't see clearly, like I knew something was wrong with the ball, but I didn't quite know what you always leaned on certain things. Like, ah, you just got to swing faster. You got to just hit it or you got to, you know, and it's like, man, one of those things was even like, let's say the first step. It's like, ah, you know what? This person kind of skips into the run. It ruins their posture. They lose the pole carry and they're playing catch up the whole way down the runway. Right. And so now, you know, it's like, you really start to look from beginning to end. It's like, well, leave no stone unturned. Why? Even to fix something down here, you, it, might, it might have started over here at the beginning of your run. So fall, again, kind of like baseball, spring training. They're working those basic things in spring training, right? It's like making sure they know when the ball's hit here, where does everybody go? You know, it's like, uh, what's the movement? You know, these basic things that, these guys have been doing their whole careers since they were in Little League and they're professional baseball players. Training camp for football, they're doing basic drills, base, hitting the sled, you know? They're going back to basics, retooling things, right? You don't want to be rusty at basic skills. And I think fall training for pole vaulters is that. It's our time to go back to basics, make sure we're not rusty on some drills because you'll be surprised. Even drills that you felt you've mastered in the past, you might now in fall training, you're like, you know what? I haven't done that takeoff drill in a while, or I haven't done pole runs with a jump in a while, or I haven't done this running drill in a while. Let me, let me do it today. You might be shocked to find out. You're like, oh, I'm really bad at this now. Time to retool, right? Let's knock the rust off, clean it up. Let's do the drill properly. Then let's demonstrate it, you know, in the vault too. So fall training again, perfect time for people to retool their vault, go back to basics. I know it's not always a sexy thing, right? It's not some kind of weird gimmicky uh, tool or drill that's going to help you out. Doesn't, you know, maybe uh, get a lot of likes on social media, but the back to basics is right now fall training. Um, it's going to, that's, what's going to get you the results, you know? Um, hope you guys have enjoyed this, uh, episode. I got to get ready for sessions. Um, again, if you enjoy this episode or any of our episodes, please share them with your friends. Um, subscribe. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes podcasts. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube. It's apex vaulting. Um, we're putting out drill tutorials, uh, as well as these podcast episodes on the YouTube channel. You can follow us at The Real Apex Vaulting on Instagram, and it's just Apex Vaulting on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, thanks for joining us. And if you have any comments or questions, need help with something, please don't hesitate. You can reach out to us at apexvaulting at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everybody.